Okay, for the second week in a row, the Washington Huskies, uh, due to COVID, have uh, declined to contest a college football game. And because of that, although they won the Pac-12 North, Oregon went in their place in the Pac-12 title game. And those Oregon Ducks are your Pac-12 champions, despite the notable uh, you know, hindrance of not winning their own division. So... I got to say, god-awful. I mean, this was funny last week, but it's not funny anymore. We're going to talk about uh, all that more in this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Ineligible receiver. Offense number 64. By rule, that penalty is disregarded. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And like I was talking about in the intro, this Pac-12 week started off on Friday with the Pac-12 championship game, which uh, preceded, uh, you know, basically like a, a, a middling slate of just regular Pac-12 games that happened subsequent to the conference championship game. Uh, but let's just talk about Oregon and USC first, because that's the game that was played first. Totally predictable outcome there. Yeah, you could have seen that coming a mile away, because you know, and I've, I, for, I believe we talked about this last week, but uh, when it when it comes to college football, right, like in the broad scheme of things, God loves me. When it comes to college football, God hates me and uh, wants Oregon to win. Uh, and on top of that, Oregon fully committed as an organization to winning. Yeah, they try to win, which is super, like really helps their yeah. case for winning when you actually attempt to to do that. First thing you got to do, feel the team. Uh, University of Washington yep. could have prevented Oregon, their biggest rival, from not being the Pac-12 championship simply by fielding a team. Mm-hmm. Even a team of like, let's say, fraternity guys. Um, you know, even a team yep. of players who aren't necessarily actual Division One football players. Now, you do that. This is not a professional sport. sport. Amateur athletes, uh, you, you take that team down there. USC wins the game by 100. Uh, what are the storylines or the narratives coming out of that? First of all, the narratives would be that uh, the team that was supposed to win the conference and deserved to win the conference did, in fact, win the conference. And then, two, the narrative would have yep. been that Larry Scott runs such a clown college of a, of a conference that – you know, a team could get away with doing something like that. And like, he's, you know, can't even stop it. He's probably fired the next day. Um, you know, and then three, there's some like, you know, minor blowback from a conference standpoint to Washington for, you know, bringing a team down with the, you know, for the explicit purpose of keeping Oregon out of the game, which will do nothing but cement your fan base's love for you. If you're the Washington athletic department um, and would be nothing you couldn't handle from a conference standpoint, that, that is my estimation of what would have happened if University of Washington had dumped 75 uh, uh, fraternity guys on some buses and taken them down there. Yeah, and I think there's a fourth thing that happens. Uh, the uh, the people who enjoy uh, the rich tapestry of narratives in college football kind of perk their ears up and become aware uh, of the extent to which Washington and Oregon hate each other. They'll be like, and they'll be like, God damn it, Washington was was willing to sacrifice basically lives, you know, put them at risk to ensure that Oregon would not even have an opportunity. To play I, I just think, game. I don't even think that, you know, I, you, as you were probably aware, we got, I would respect the shit big, out of that. If I was fight. like Joe blow you know, from we, Tennessee, I got a big fight with one of our buddies on our little WhatsApp conversation about this. I'm not saying sacri- I'm not saying risk anybody's health. I'm saying you, you take, you take 
75 guys who have, who are COVID-free, who you started testing the day that you started having COVID problems, and you dump them on a bus and you take them down there and you play with whatever concoction of guys you have that are all got the, the okay from a healthy standpoint. And, you, I mean, USC is not going to hurt them. They're just going to be like, oh, we're better than these guys. We're just going to, you know, they're going to score 100 points, and that's that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying, and I want to say, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I agree with the plan. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that, like, I think you're being, like, callous and unfeeling by proposing this. I think this is a, uh, yeah, what we you should, should be this doing. is exactly what we should have been doing. This is a massive failing um, for the University of Washington Athletic Department to allow this to happen. And now Oregon is back to back conference champions and will be going to their second, what I would call layup. BCS style bowl because they get to play Iowa State, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and yeah, you know, like if you're UW and you don't you don't stop these things from happening, you almost deserve it. Yeah, yeah. And then the and I remember uh, and we talked about this a little bit on the text thread. This is you know very Washington focused, but we're Huskies, so that's what it is. Uh, I had listened to Jen Cohen on the John Canzano show. Uh, talk about uh, uh, I forget, I probably talked about this last week about how Rob Mullins is like one of her go-tos uh, uh, like you know like bend, bend his ear you know to like get advice about what she ought to do in certain situations and if I'm that guy we're talking about Oregon's athletic director and Washington's AD is talking to me about you know what should be your move and your counsel is what ends up being best for Oregon which like, of course it will be. Like, yeah, which it obviously is. It's like Jesus Christ, you know. Like, uh, I don't care if you guys, you know, went to school together or if you're married. Like, I, you can't talk to him about your work. You can't be friends with him. Ridiculous, dude. You can't. I mean, I've, if 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 he has the view that I think Oregon does of the Oregon Washington rivalry, I bet he hangs up the phone. And calls up, you know, Phil Knight or whoever other boosters and are like, those fucking idiots, they have no idea. They don't get it. They think we're like colleagues or something. Yeah. Unbelievable, dude. And as a result, and as a result, as a result of all that incompetence, Oregon goes down and plays USC coming off a short week in a game that you could never expect Mm -hmm. Clay Helton to win that game. Never in a million years is Clay nope. Helton going to win that game. Yeah. And he didn't. They looked – USC got their doors blown off almost from the get-go. Kind of got the – you know, kind of righted the ship a little bit and got back into it a little bit um, in the middle part of the game to give you an, you know, to give you a, a, a false sense of hope that they were going to come back and somehow, you know, win the game. But it was never – in my estimation, after the first four possessions of the game, I was like, I knew what the, I knew what the outcome of the game was. Yeah, I tell you what. Uh, uh, in terms of like what was notable about the game, uh, was that Anthony Brown actually saw snaps at quarterback for Oregon. Yeah, he and he didn't look bad. No, he was great. I mean, he had he's had starting experience, uh, and they just uh, they worked him in. They just started giving him series. Now, uh, Tyler Chuck, uh, you know. Now, I mean, Oregon didn't throw for shit in this game, you know. Shuck had, was 8 of 15 for 91 yards with two touchdowns and a pick. Brown was 3 of 4 for 17 yards, but he had two touchdowns. They just gave him a couple series, you know. 
Oh, I think Oregon had like 225 like, yards of total offense in this game. They're, they're not that good, dude. Doesn't matter. They're Doesn't not. matter. Champion, Pac-12 champion, Ducks. Yep, exactly. Yeah, they they really didn't do anything in this game. They turned it over. They didn't have a lot of yards, but USC also turned it over. Uh, uh, basically, USC turned it over more. Is is the long and the short of it? USC didn't run for shit in this game, which is embarrassing. They didn't run them. all season. They they. They don't run anymore, dude. They're a, they're a, a spread team, right? They don't they don't do the running. They're a joke. The whole conference, frankly, is a joke. The whole conference is a goddamn joke, and nobody likes Larry Scott. Yet he remains in power for some like who they can't. The presidents of these schools can't agree to just fire yeah. the guy. When when everybody, I mean, across every school in the Pac-12 is in lockstep agreement that he damages the brand on a daily basis and has potentially done catastrophic damage to the brand already in the sense that the sec has already got their next TV contract. You know, the big 10 is well, well positioned. Like they're, they're talking about potentially like all of the, the really good prime, you know, the prime time media um, availability is going to be gone by the time the pack gets around to negotiating its next media deal. Um, how, how can you afford to leave him in place another day? Like every day you're paying him to damage your brand. Yeah. And they're sitting here and, you know, you just read these fucking stories about like, Oh, we're going to look at, at, you know, well, PAC 12 might be on Apple TV or some shit, you know, like when our media rights come up, it's like, what the, what the fuck are you? ABC, ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, tell them they want another deal. Put it on stations people watch. I know not as many people have television anymore, but virtually everybody still has ESPN. You have to have games on ESPN, or they will just shit on you all the time, which they basically do to the Pac-12 anyway. Um, for and the reason the reason I think that they do that this is going back to 2016 when uh, they had. Rod Gilmore and Mark Jones doing like the cupcake thing and shit on Washington yeah. games. Quint Kessnich the, with his cupcakes. Yeah. And then they have, uh, uh, you know, they have Larry Scott, like come on the broadcast at a Washington game. And then like a quarter after he's out of the booth, they're sitting there making an argument on the PAC 12 primetime game of the week on ESPN that, or ABC or whatever, that uh, Washington doesn't deserve to be in the playoff because they didn't play a tough non-conference foe. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you think, like, I, I swear to you, if they pulled that shit with the SEC, like, they'd have to, you know what I mean? They'd be watching their back when they went to go to their car. The SEC, because the SEC a couple of A couple of bubbas would come The SEC commissioner, by. who would probably be at the airport already, I know that, that uh, you know, our man Larry flies in a private jet, but the SEC commissioner would stop the plane, would get off of the plane, go back to the stadium, and get back on air for the fourth quarter to talk about it with them. Yep. And just and just mercilessly yep. beat them with their with their you know back them into a yep. corner, um, and force an apology out of them, as opposed to what Larry Scott did, which was yep. get you know continue on, fly back down to the Bay Area to his house, didn't ever even think twice about it. I, yeah. I can't. I can't get this. All right. 
I gotta stop this. My, uh, I was looking at a stat box and it just keeps running videos at me. Can't get, can't get it turned off. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's, uh, are people not subscribing to ESPN Plus? Like, is that not enough of a revenue generator? Yeah, I. This is uh, relevant as it relates to me as a uh, with Husky basketball at the moment. But in my estimation, if whether it's an athletic director trying to make a decision about a coach, or in this instance, as you said, the president's trying to make a decision about the commissioner, you had the money to pay this person when the contract was signed. That's when you allocated the funds. From that day forward, yep. there's no such thing to me as an argument that you can't fire that person because it would be too expensive. You had the money on that day yep. to sign them. And and, and so yeah. to say... And you've already, already spent, spent it. You you've already spent, spent the, the money. money. And the day that you decide that they aren't the right fit for the job that they occupy, the fact that you would have to pay somebody else more money on top of the money that you've already committed doesn't matter. Like your fiduciary obligation to your institution or to the conference as a whole demands that you make that move immediately because you are aware that the person that is currently occupying that job is not doing the job. So to hell with the money that you've already got yeah. committed with them. That's just how it goes. You already spent that. The fact it's that gone. you then have to pony up another contract for somebody else does not get you out of it because that just means that the next day you're letting someone coach or be the commissioner of an organization that you know they're not correct for, which means you as the, the AD or the, the commissioner, the president are, are basic are violating your fiduciary obligation to the company. Now fiduciary obligation is a joke. We all know that it's not, you know, like let's not kid ourselves. I don't want to sound too Pollyannish with this, but that, that argument is absolutely sound. You cannot let this guy continue in his job because he's, killing the conference every day he is i 100 percent agree with that i frankly want to talk more about what you think a washington basketball fire, should fire do, mike hopkins uh, tomorrow in a tomorrow tomorrow yeah. if yeah. not tonight it's 9 30 at night you could still fire him tonight i don't i don't i don't What's dislike this, uh, mike hopkins did they play I, today I don't, so. I, I don't dislike him i think he's a nice guy i think he he infused some cool uh, uh, you know, he, he was a, a breath of fresh air in terms of his energy uh, when he came in. Um, sorry, he's not a head coach. Like, he's he's in his fourth year. The, the program is an absolute disarray. There is nothing going on in the recruiting front. He's got Will Conroy on the staff specifically to keep the local talent. He has no local talent. The best player in a long time coming through the city is going to Duke next year. Um, it's just a mismatch of – transfers at this point that have no cohesive ability whatsoever to play together. I, I don't understand how Jen Cohen comes to work. She won't come to work tomorrow because it's, it's uh, Christmas Eve, but how she steps on campus on Monday morning and allows that to continue. That's my thought. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's like, you just gotta, you gotta have some gotta do it. for yourself. That, or if this was Oregon, he would be fired on Monday. He would have actually already been fired, but he would be fired on Monday because you can't let somebody continue to lead a team there's no point. Even if you're even if you're putting Cam Dollar in as the interim head coach because you don't want to pay somebody for the rest of this year, at least you're signaling to the to the community at large, to your to your donors, to the students, to the 
recruits that are out there right now that are sophomores and juniors in high school that you're rebuilding the program, which right now you're not, you're not making that, you're not making that clear. Has he really been there for four years yeah. now? God, time flies. It was so promising that first year. Everybody's good coaching somebody else's. I players. think that just shows he's a great assistant coach, right? Like he's a he's a good assistant coach, and he brought a defensive philosophy to a team that had none, which is a big failing that Romar had yeah. at the time. Which candidly, Romar had. Like Romar's teams were very poor on defense um, the last couple of years. Ever since they changed the rules on the hand check with Romar, he never found a defensive philosophy that was particularly effective. Um, and so he brought a defensive philosophy to a team that was already pretty good offensively. And yeah, you're right. Romar's players, a couple of which were, you know, NBA talents, um, you know, they, they, they were successful, but putting that aside, I mean, at this point, the, the program is entirely his and it is a complete debacle. He is not going to dig his way out of this. You have to move on. Yeah, you just you have to yeah, you just have to be doing something else. It's is uh it's insane. Yeah, it's like why yeah, why do we have Will Conroy on staff? Uh it's not like he's ever been, you know what I mean? He's like he's like he's a great husky, you know what I mean? I love Will Conroy. But uh in terms of the job he's doing now, what is that other than just like His make job His job is who, very specifically to keep the pipeline of Seattle talent coming to the University of Washington. It's not happening. What yep. is what is Cam Dollar's job? Yep. Cam Dollar is supposed to be uh, the X's and O's guy. The, uh, the He was the bad cop on Romar's staff for a lot of years. Um, is he that guy on this staff? I, I have no idea. What uh, Rice, the other guy, the guy who was a former head coach, he's supposed to be the offensive coach. Well, their offense is the worst in the world. So that, you know what I mean? Like I, and, then, and then Hopkins is supposed to be the head coach that – has a, some form of a cohesive uh, strategy for putting together a program, which obviously is not happening. Um, so again, I, it's not, I, I don't dislike Mike Hopkins. I think he's a great guy. I think he was a, again, he was a breath of fresh air when he, when he came in and he succeeded with the, with the players that were here at the time. Um, and I, you know, maybe he learns from this and is successful, but here and now, if you're Jen Cohen showing up on campus on Monday morning, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it in the least. He got outlasted by Jim Beheim. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. He's gonna be he's gonna be coaching under Jim Beheim next year, probably. If 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 Oh yeah. Cohen has the you know can do you know, has the gumption to go ahead and fire him at the end of this year. Which maybe she will, maybe she won't, I don't know. But um you know, that if I was her I would also be uh, giving press conferences every single day, talking about Larry Scott being gone, I would be ramp, you know ramping up the pressure on uh, Anna Marie Goss or whatever the president of the University of Washington to uh, push that button a little bit harder because I haven't heard anything from the University of Washington Athletic Department about Larry Scott, and that guy has done nothing to help this program, any of the programs at UW. Um, yeah. You want to talk about these other games? Like to briefly mention them? I don't know. I was looking at the basketball score, so I was trying to figure out when Washington plays basketball. Well, let me mention the fact that Utah. <laughs> oh, it was so sweet. You would have loved it. Did you get to see it? Did you get to see this Utah? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw. I saw. 
the Cougarinos. Cougarinos came out dude. and blew the, they blew the doors Coug- off Utah. They Cougarino in. Yeah, they went into halftime. They're like, with I mean, absolute one of the shocks of the season. Eight to seven, killing them, killing them, and and Utah doesn't score again until uh uh like up over midway through the third quarter to get it back to twenty eight to fourteen. Uh, but they found something there, which is that Washington State, uh, maybe you know by virtue of not playing a ton of games, uh. Uh, ran out of gas or something, or Utah just figured out they can't seem to stop this Ty Jordan character because he ran wild in the second half, multiple long touchdown runs, uh, you know, 20, 30 yards. Uh, yeah, and it was just dancing through people. Uh, Utah blowing the Cougs off the ball. And, like, you look at the second half highlights from this game. In the second half, which Utah wins 38-0, to zero, and you say, how in the hell were they down three scores at the half? <laughs> Oh, so I mean, classic tale of two halves. We've had some bad beats this year on the gambling front, and I know this one will count as one for you. Uh, but I haven't had any sort of like miraculous wins, and this was a miraculous yeah. win, dude. It was fourth and ten. The Cougs had the ball. Two minutes left to go in the game. Any form of play that WSU runs that is not a completed pass for 10 yards and, you know, an incomplete pass or a pass for eight yards or anything where they don't pick up, you know, make the conversion. And frankly, anything where they actually even do make the conversion more or less guarantees that they at least cover the spread, which was 10 and a half points. They're down 10 at this point. And uh, he threw a pick six. It was the only play, oh. literally the only play that could save oh. that could save the 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 spread. Because Utah, if they get the ball back, they're not going to punch it in again. They're up double. They're just going to kneel it out and they're done. They're going home. They win by ten. You know they and they don't cover. It's yeah. ten and a half point spread. So this led this oh, led my. to me chortling with glee when it happens. Because <laughs> it was the only <laughs> thing that could save me, and it did. Oh, I was just—I love it. I love oh, a gambling yeah, win. It was so good. I didn't have any money on it. It was just a pick. It was just a pick that I made last week, but I just wanted it to happen, and it did. That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, in terms of other games, so Ty Jordan, good for you for Utah. Britton Covey, who still has more eligibility, 134 yards in a game and two, uh, two more, a touchdown. Two more years of eligibility. Uh, He's a junior. Amazing. No, he listed. He for, he was first on campus. Yeah. In 2015, not a yeah. not a lie. I uh, he was on campus at Utah several years before I had a kid, and I now have a kid that walks and yeah. talks and screams at me a lot, like like yeah. uh, like a real human being of a child at this point. And yeah, he was he was on campus over two years before before she was born. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, other insanely good game that I am embarrassed to say I didn't watch a second of. Stanford and UCLA double overtime thriller. Stanford forty-eight, UCLA forty-seven. You got to believe that Stanford had the better season of any team in the Pac-12, right? Like, I, I mean, I know so, the Oregon yeah. won the Pac-12 title, but Stanford went three and one against teams in the North Division. They lost to Oregon in a game where 
their quarterback was held out because of a false positive COVID test. Well, that's pretty upsetting if yep. I'm Stanford. They should have probably gone 4-0. Um, and then, you know, as you mentioned last time and well-documented, they got kicked off campus for like a month, um, which is road showing up and down the West Coast beating teams. Um, yeah. Barn burning. And then they go into the Rose Bowl and beat UCLA. Barnstorming. Yeah, so burning barns. They may have burned some barns. I don't know. Probably not. They're probably yeah. they're nice guys. They're, they're pretty. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. They're pretty well respected. You know, respectably. I mean, they probably didn't burn anything. Yeah. But, um, yeah. They're barnstorming around the West Coast, and uh, but yeah, and then they go into the Rose Bowl and beat a UL, UCLA team that's you know been better this year. It's been game. Um, you know, just has has shown improvement under Kelly. Stanford. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a and then they and then they promptly end their season after that and say, no, we're not going to a bowl. Um, but. Good, good for good for Stanford, man. Yep, and then uh, the last game that got played last week, Arizona State and Oregon State, uh, Sun Devils uh, come back from the depths, uh, and you know they back up their seventy to seven thrashing of Arizona with another offensive explosion of a day against Oregon State, forty six to thirty three. Devils had uh, six rushing touchdowns in this game, I believe. Including a long one on a read option for Jaden Daniels, who I don't particularly uh, think of as like a runner. And the in the play itself, it like it was kind of like one of those where you're like, oh, 50, he's still going, 50, huh? Five yards, something like that. It, yeah, it was like he had some like stiff arms. It wasn't like he was pulling away. People had shots at him, but he was just apparently nobody ended up catching him by the time it was yeah. over. But it was like, you know, like a standard 53-yard run, I think of it normally as like once the guy like beats the first guy at the line of scrimmage and you can kind of see it's for whatever reason like a bust of a run defense and you're like, oh, he's gone. This one was kind of yeah. like loping. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. That was the week. That was the week. Uh, so how did we do on picks last week? I must have you went two and two. Warren went two and two. Tubby went two I take and two. It. I went three and one. That Oregon, that uh-huh. Oregon. I picked Oregon, and uh, that, that's what got me there. Uh, everybody else had USC. So, but for that, um, yeah. So uh, on the season, that puts you at fifteen and fourteen. You are two games behind the rest of us, who are all at seventeen and twelve. So you are. Well, I guess I gotta. Yeah. I guess you gotta. I gotta. You're in trouble here, is what I'm saying, because you gotta pick opposite of me, the games I pick, and then you have to hope that Worm and Tubby both pick the same games I pick. If you get on the, I feel like the they other will. side of us, all of us, you have a shot. We can force them to do it. I control the spreadsheet. I can make them do that. I want Iowa State oh, good. in this game. I'm gonna get them. I mean, I want them. Any, I want to be oh, rooting, going for, to be rooting for them, but I have no, absolutely no. Uh, yeah, it's isn't it wild how whenever Oregon gets in one of these BCS games, it's not you know, it's like when they're playing Big Ten, it's never Ohio yeah. State, no. you know, it's Wisconsin. Yeah. UW goes to when three it, three you know, games in a row: the playoff against Alabama, then a Fiesta Bowl against Saquon fucking Barkley and Penn State, and then the Rose Bowl against. Ohio State. Yeah, and now Oregon's in, in one of these bowls, and they're yeah. playing Iowa State. Oh, yeah, they're playing. Oh, Big Twelve champ. Oh, they got. Was it Oklahoma yeah. or Texas this year? Oh, Iowa yeah. State. 
fucking A. Unbelievable, dude. Make your own luck. You make yeah. your own luck. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, in terms of, uh, I don't know, who are they coached by? Matt, Matt Campbell. Brother? Look, there's a yeah. there's a legitimate argument to be made for Iowa State here because this is a big deal for them. They do not often win this game. This the the bowl, the uh, you know the Big Twelve. They will be extremely excited about being in this bowl, uh, more so probably than Oregon. They will bring their A game. They will also not have a lot of defections from their team. They will not have a lot of guys who are going to move to Phoenix to prepare for the NFL draft because it's Iowa State. Um, so they will likely have a fully intact program um, for this bowl game. So that you can definitely make the argument for Iowa State. I've just seen this play out too many times. Dude. I, just, I just can't do it. There we go. That's the guy I was thinking of. Remember Royce White? Yeah, for sure. Basketball player. Went to Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State. That's what I was right. Going through my Iowa State bank in terms of guys I was thinking. Because initially I'm thinking, oh, Marcus Pfizer, for whatever reason. He's like an Iowa State guy. Royce White I like a lot because he was like, he was like, you know, insanely good college player. Yeah, but then he right? didn't like like traveling and on he's like, or something, right? Or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and these NBA teams are like, yeah, yeah, we'll work that out. And then he gets to the league and he's like, no, I don't go on yeah. planes. And they're like, well, that's how we get to games, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't last. Didn't they, isn't Iowa State also somewhat famous for before Virginia lost as a 116? Didn't they lose like a 15-seeded Hampton in the NCAA? Is that Was that Iowa State? It was like a good-ass Iowa State team, right, that lost to like Hampton. Um, did that happen? I, yeah. I feel like that happened. Who did Hampton beat? It looks like. I mean, it seems to be. There seems to be an article written eleven years later yeah, about two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah, Hampton. Hampton are yeah, the pirates, Hampton, right? State. Uh, and they had Iowa State had some quarterback I really liked uh, named Brad something or other. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we got the right guy. I think this is right. This seems right to me. I don't know. I thought it was Iowa State. Anyway, so you're going to take Iowa State in this game? They are four and a half point favorites. Brad Banks. Did Seneca Wallace? Did Seneca Wallace oh, never mind. He was State? Iowa. Ooh, that that could very well be right. That's the that's who I'm thinking of. Yep, Iowa State, dude. There's your cyclone right there, man. What's the send? Yeah, I mean, I I've, I like Iowa State. They're not a threat. I'm positive. I played like a multi-season dynasty with them on NCAA football back in the day. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, let's watch. I'm gonna watch the run. They've right taken their now. shot because I remember he had a Heisman run. Where it was like, uh, let's see, it looks like uh, second and 11 from the 12-yard line of Texas Tech. And he like ran back to the 25, back to the 33, and makes one, two, three, four, five guys miss. And scores a touchdown. What a terrible play. Yeah. That was no, awesome. No, 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 okay. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. So you're getting on these guys. We love it. Get on these guys anyway, for this so, game. Yeah, I like the Cyclones, dude. I like I like uh, Iowa too. You know, I like both sides of yeah. that rivalry. Right, big fan of what yeah, both those I schools. I agree. That's a great. That's a great state rivalry schools kind of situation. A lot better than what we got going on. Yeah. But all right. Let's move on to Texas and Colorado. Texas nine and a half point favorites. Colorado, the only other Pac-12 team that has opted to play in a bowl. And you've got an interesting scenario here with Texas being nine and a half point favorites. I don't know that Texas is going to be interested in this game, dude, but I think Colorado is. Tom Herman fired. The The news says he was not fired. Will Longhorns regret it? Yeah, I think their like athletic director came out last week and had to clarify that he will not be fired. So that that's where Tom Herman sits in the, in the pantheon of things. Um, what a weird what a weird gig that must be. Like when you're a coach, I would imagine we talked about him earlier, but like Mike Hopkins at UW probably feeling probably a lot less pressure to be quite honest with you, but still feels weird, right? Like when you're driving up to park in the parking lot, Tom Herman, you know, and like he's got his like special parking spot, you know, reserved for the head coach, which I'm sure they have that in Texas. I have no evidence oh, to support yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I'm 100% sure that that thing, that he's, oh, got, yeah. that's, that he's got a parking oh, yeah. spot. Um, and and <laughs> yeah. I, I just, it must feel weird. Like, you have to probably have to give yourself a little pep talk every, every day in your car right before you get out. Like, all right, Tom, making a lot of money here. Making a lot of money. A lot of money coming down your coming your way only thing you can do to screw that up is somehow give them a reason to fire you for a cause so we're just got to play it straight it's gonna play it straight (laughs) yeah yeah that's i'm pulling in there once again that is human shit in my parking (laughs) spot we're just gonna we're just gonna move right something that's just funny that just occurred to me is like tom herman like has probably has less chance of being successful at texas now Obviously, because of all the things that are against him. But you think about it, like that four cause thing is a big deal, right? So it's worth millions and millions of dollars to him in the buyout to now like stop cheating and like do everything right. You know, like get all the get all the get all the bag yeah. down off the road. <laughs> <laughs> he's got no hope now because he's not even gonna get any recruits because all the guys that are out doing his dirty work, he's gotta pull them off. He's gotta be like he's gotta send them home or send them to Florida or whatever. Like, no, we'll yeah. out, next time I get a job, guys, but right now, like can't have it. Can't have it. I gotta be. I gotta yeah. play it straight. So we're just gonna call these recruits and try and sell them on the merits of college football. You know, like it's screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, we're going against S- A and M. Wants these players. They're they're in the SEC. They the play number win. one position player in the state of Texas at six different positions are all going to Alabama. <laughs> There's oh a five-star recruit who committed to Bama tonight from Dallas, and he's so two of the top four and four of the top eleven overall recruits in the state of Texas are going to Alabama, and six guys who are ranked number one at their position in the state of Texas are going to Alabama. Saban's got his hooks in to Texas right now. Oh so my. yeah, Herman screwed. He's got no hope. I. I I can't imagine his team is excited about this game. But you know who is? Those Colorado Buffaloes, dude. Uh no way, dude. Texas all the way. They're gonna they're coming back. 
It's the resurgence of Tom Herman. The Hermanator. Yeah. Uh, I just I just had an epiphany on this like cheating thing. He's got to stop cheating. He's got to stop like all the cheating. It's more yeah. than now. He's probably got four <laughs> years left on his deal, you know, probably like 16, 17 million bucks. You know, like that's all at stake if you get caught with the NCAA with your hand in the cookie jar and get a show cause that, you know, the school's walking away scot-free, you know, like you can't, can't have it. Like <laughs> you just got to try and play it straight. Brutal. They, he just, he got extended last year through 2023. Yeah, that's sort of like the, that's sort of like the college football thing, right? Every coach has to have four years on their contract. They, they the college football yep. like agents commission got together a couple years ago and talked every athletic director in the country into this and have successfully done so. Um, where it's like, well, if they don't have a full uh, recruiting cycle or the contract, then you can't expect any recruits to go to your school. It's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> why not? You know, like. Well, Mark Cristobal came through off comes off of losses to uh, Cal and Oregon State, and got extended because Auburn came open, got a raise and got extended. Not just a raise, like season. almost double. What is <laughs> like he was making yeah. like two six two seven because this is his first head coaching job, so they didn't have to break the bank for him, you know, to get him. So they yep. and yeah, they won the Pac twelve last year, but he is still under his first contract. I, he's up to like four six now. I mean, like the Auburn thing was very nice for him because, as far as I know, he never even. Inter- I mean, like there was a lot of rumors about him talking, you know, interviewing for the job, and I'm sure his agent made a big stink about it. But I, I don't. Who knows how close he was to getting the, the job? But he got nice little bump in compensation. Yeah, and then uh, we got uh, so. Auburn ends up getting Brian Harson uh, from Boise, uh, which uh, put up my Pete Kwiatkowski alert. That seems like a terrible hire. If he's seems if, bad. If he's ever going to go, he's going there. Yeah. You know? Do they want him? Like, is there? I don't know. I mean, I've seen it on like the short list. Uh, you know what I mean? Of like, so people, I, I've heard they're like, you know, wildly speculating. Like that Jeff Choate guy, the Montana State coach, who used to be actually on UW's coaching staff years ago. Um, yeah. I Harson to Auburn, I think is a weird, that's a weird thing, man. That guy does not strike me as the type of personality that, that you need to have to be competitive. Like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but to me, it's like, like, in, like to be successful at Auburn, you kind of got to be like a televangelist, you know, like you got to have a little like Joel Osteen in you, you know, like, I don't see how this yeah. guy, this Harson guy, with his like wholesomeness, is going to succeed there. Well, I saw some like emails where he was saying like he was uh, sending weirdo emails to his uh, president that somebody like foyed, uh, saying that like Boise had to leave the Mountain West because it's a loser conference. So yeah, I like that. Okay. If I'm an Auburn fan. Yeah, I, I mean, Cristobal seemed like a perfect fit for me there. You know, just like. You gotta have a little bit of that, you know. What's the other guy? Kenneth Copeland, Joel Osteen. Like you gotta have some yeah. of that to be successful, you know. Because like yeah. you're kind of, kind of up against it if you're the coach of Auburn. Like you're right now, at least in particular, because you got that, you got that Bama thing going on over there, which is a problem. I don't know. You just, I think you gotta be able to talk people into some things, you know, at Auburn. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I agree with that. All right, uh, so the dogs aren't going to play in a bowl game. We really only filled two of our bowl Yeah, spots. everybody else quit. Pac-12, yeah, baby. Pac-12 football. Pac-12 Scott's got it going on. <clears throat> I gave a very quarantine effort on the Pac-12 football season this year, I got to say. I wasn't, like, particularly into it. I need fans. I don't care about these games and stadiums where there are no fans. Yeah, I, I yeah. I think, I think that it's tough, but it's just like, I mean, I, I watched all the games. I, I would have watched more if there had been more for UW to play. And like, I don't, I just, I come out of this season, I think much less of a football fan than I was going in from a college standpoint, just because they gave such a paltry effort to even do it that I like, I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, if you guys don't care, you know, like, why, why do we, why do we care so much about this stupid sport? Yeah, they look, I mean, like, it's just so meek, you know what I mean? Like, you got, you have to be, this is like, the, I don't know if, like, Cristobal's like a televangelist, but I, he strikes me as, like, SEC character in that, like, he's clearly willing to, like, subjugate what other people would regard as common sense uh, to the goal. Like, he he understands his job is win football game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, and I, everything I will be doing will be directed yeah, at that. Which starts with playing it. They got to uh, play it, you know? Yeah. 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 You had a great point about Oregon, by the way, not reporting their COVID yeah, numbers. Just didn't tell. They were the one that decided they weren't going to tell anybody anything. I love it. Cause it's like you, they could come in, they'd be like, Oh, it's like a hippie. Dude. Yeah. And now you go back and you tell me that maybe they didn't do contact tracing quite the way they're supposed to, or maybe they didn't do who knows, man, you know, doesn't matter. Yep. Like I'm, I'm confident enough that Oregon, if somebody was positive, wouldn't let them play, you know? Like, I think that's... I'm not. uh, I think if they were, like, actually positive, they wouldn't get to play. But that's not what kills all these teams. I would say, I bet they'd look at a depth chart. Maybe. I think that's not not what kills these teams, though. It's the contact tracing. That's what kills... That's what killed Cal. It's killed WCU. It's what killed UW. Is contract chasing. You'd have had 11 cases or something on the football team, and it took out like 70 guys because you have one case on the O line yeah. and the entire O line is out. It's like it's this contact tracing thing. That's where I think they, if you're gonna make, if you're gonna, you know, squish the margins on this, that's where you're gonna do it. And whether or not they did or not, I don't know, but they didn't tell anybody anything about COVID, which gave them the opportunity to have a lot more freedom to analyze how they were gonna do this. Um, and they were yep. one of the only teams that got through it with no questions asked, um, no problems, feeling a team each week. Everybody else had lots of problems, except teams in the South, you know, the SEC, other teams that are committed to playing every week, you know, were, were a lot better about getting these games done. So just as you said, it's very very meek effort by the conference in terms of getting these games played. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what? Maybe let's talk about Everett. We'll kind of review the two bowl games maybe in a couple of weeks, and then talk about like how do we feel about year one and Jimmy Lake. I don't even know how to. Yeah. How do we feel about it? If, yeah. Let's talk about it. That's what I'm. That's let's, I'm going to think about let's, it. Let's take the holidays and contemplate that, and we can revisit. Maybe maybe University of Washington right. will play spring football. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we just will decide we don't want to. Yeah, maybe we'll just cancel the program. We've still got a serious lead on Oregon here for the next yeah. decade or so. Uh, just close it up. Close up Can't shop. catch you if you aren't playing. Yep, I agree with that. 
All right, that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.